Good morning, and thanks for joining online today. It's so great to be with you for this online worship gathering. You know, we started this series a few weeks ago on the topic of spiritual friendship. We're going through Ephesians chapter 4, the second half of that chapter, and we're talking about this vision that God has for us to build deeper relationships. And it's teaching us ways to be in better relationship. We were interrupted by a winter freeze. Uh, It's been a horrible experience for the state of Texas and for many around the country. But I would say that, you know, our church, you know, we've been learning to live into this vision of spiritual friendship. Uh, So many of you have reached out to me and brought me encouragement through texts and emails. And likewise, as I have reached out to some of you and have heard back, it's been such an encouragement to know that together we are a faith village and together We are going to make our way through all of this mess. So, continuing on with this series, today we are on verse 29. So, I'd like to do four things with this verse as we dive in. First, we'll talk about the specifics and the details surrounding it. Then, I'd like to talk about the power of our speech, the good and the bad. Third, I want to talk about how we can improve our speech so that we are a blessing to other people. And finally, we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. We're going to be focusing on the bread and the cup and God's encouragement to each of us. So let's dive right in. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. There are three things here in this passage that I want to point out. The first is this description of unwholesome words. Literally, what is spoken of in the original language are rotten words, words that cause rot or destroy things. One commentator uh, makes a careful note that what Paul is speaking about here is far more than discussing or using bad language. He's thinking about things that cause a rot to ourselves and to our relationships. Things like gossip or slander. Things that might cause people to doubt other people or to cause a lack of trust to um, develop in a community. These kinds of things can be very damaging, and they are unwholesome. They are unwholesome for our souls and for our faith village, and we are not to be involved in it. If any of you have ever been the victim of gossip, or if someone's ever betrayed your trust, and maybe spoken of something that was confidential, um, that you held in confidence, you know how difficult it can be to regain and rebuild trust. And what Paul is saying here is that as followers of Christ, we can never let ourselves devolve into the use of those kinds of words, into that kind of speaking. Let no unwholesome words come from your mouth. The second thing to notice here is how Paul is very listener-focused. Let's read this verse one more time. I'm going to capitalize some of these words Uh, to show the emphasis that's here. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful 
for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This teaching on our words is really geared toward the listener, blessing those who hear. And it goes hand in hand with things that Jesus has taught us, particularly about loving our neighbors. Paul is essentially saying, let's love our neighbors with our words, making sure that the listeners benefit from what we say. You know, it's a very popular thing these days to be speaking our truth, right? It's a phrase that many of us are very familiar with, and we are encouraged to do to speak our truth. And for sure, Scripture uh, emphasizes truthful speaking over falsehood. Uh, Pastor Grace did a great job speaking a couple weeks ago about putting aside falsehood and speaking truthfully to our neighbors. And this is very encouraging for those of us, especially who live as minorities in a majority culture. Being encouraged to speak up and speak truthfully is something that, that it's really important to hear because so often our voices go unheard in the larger conversation. But what this verse does for us in Ephesians 4.29 when it tells us to focus on our listeners, is to go the extra step, to go the extra mile, and ask another question after speaking our truth. To ask our listeners, well, how are you impacted by my words? How do you feel when you listen to what I have to say? Finally, one more thing to note regarding this passage. Um, I really like the way that Eugene Peterson phrases this verse in the message. Listen closely to how he puts it. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouths. Say only what helps, each word a gift. I really like Eugene Peterson's phrasing here as a summary. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Because I love imagining my words as a gift to others, something that could bring delight, surprise, and joy to other people. I mean, what if I could do this regularly and consistently? And what if our church uh, was a community where this was known to happen all the time, so that when people entered our small groups and our prayer groups, and when they came for Sunday worship, they would experience joy and delight to their souls that our words could be a gift to them. Wouldn't that be a joy and a delight to our pandemic-weary world? Let's go on now and talk about the power of our speech. Have you ever been in a slump? Have you ever been caught in this downward cycle where no matter how hard you tried and no matter what solutions you seem to look for, things continue to spiral downward in life? Sometimes that happens to people. And sometimes that happens to the best of people, to really good people with good intentions. You know, before we started Access, I served on staff at a church uh, locally here in Houston called West Houston Chinese Church. And there was one season where our staff team really experienced a slump. No matter how hard we tried, it seemed like everything was going wrong. And I kind of began dreading going to our staff meetings each week because I knew how things would, would go. 
We'd get to the staff meeting and before we know it, we'd be rattling off problems and more problems and more problems. And nobody really had solutions. We were tight on finances. We had a lack of volunteers. Uh, things seemed to be very discouraging. There were uh, complaints going all around. Things weren't looking up. And there was this collective sense among us, um, even before we started the actual staff meeting, that we need to fix our problems. Problems were everywhere. So one day in a moment of discouragement, I, I suggested to the rest of the team, you know, how about we just try focusing on something else? Maybe like what God's been doing or something that we're thankful for. And I just I kind of suggested that. And in a moment of frustration, another staff member said, what? There's, there's nothing going right. Uh, there's nothing to focus on. Um, it was a, a comment made in pure frustration in the moment. Uh, I don't think he meant it, but at the same time, I think it expressed what all of us were really feeling that day because there were so many problems, we really couldn't see our way out of it. I'll return to that story in just a little bit, but I want to really focus now on the power of our speech and how speech in our language can frame things and even sometimes put us into a bad and downward cycle. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, I think this proverb summarizes how much influence the way we speak has on the way we do life together. How we see things, how other people see things, and even how we affect the relationships around us. Years ago, I read the story from uh, author and psychologist Larry Crabb. And Dr. Crabb was talking about a situation in which he was counseling a client. Now, this client was extremely successful, very wealthy. He was uh, the president and the owner of a big business and was doing very well in life. But no matter how much success he experienced in life, he seemed to be plagued with an inability to stop. He couldn't stop thinking about work. He couldn't stop worrying about work. He couldn't stop worrying about all the things that could go wrong. Eventually, this led him to alcohol, and he tried to numb his fear and his pain through alcohol, but that only led to a multitude of other problems. So he sought out Dr. Crabb's uh, guidance and began getting counseling with him. Now, over the course of time, as they met together and they began speaking, they began to uncover some of the layers behind his fear and his anxiety. You see, before he led this company, it was led and it was founded by his dad. And his dad would say to him regularly, son, one day you are going to own this company. And one day you are going to ruin it. Those words haunted him. And over and over again, they brought death into his life. He could not hear any words of encouragement because the words of his father spoke so loudly 
in his heart and in his mind that he was incapable of receiving encouragement and words that would assure him that things were okay and that he didn't need to keep on working so hard. I share that story with you, not because it's unusual, but because, in fact, it's very common. You know, over my years being a pastor, I've noticed that many, many people struggle with this type of theme in their life. Maybe not with a dad who said things so harshly, but words certainly play a big role in shaping people's souls. And many people live with words that have brought a sense of fear and ruin and even death into their souls. And learning to live beyond that, learning to live past that is a real difficult journey. The hope, though, and the good news is this. Jesus does bring healing. He brings hope and he brings renewal. And I just want to assure you, here at Access, we are committed to what we call a rich discipleship experience. We are concerned with going below the surface, going deep with people, to uncovering things that are like this, plaguing our souls and bringing the light of God so that we can live a better way. That's why you have things like our formation groups and like faith walking. That's why we're so concerned with for, uh, spiritual formation, because we believe that God has the answer. And when we follow him and learn to prioritize his word and his truth and his encouragement for us, we can get past some of these old wounds. But this all speaks to the problem. Our speech can bring life, but it can also bring death. And that's why we need God to guide us and to bring us into a deeper spiritual friendship, into deeper spiritual friendships. We can't rely on just ourselves. We need God to guide us. And now this brings us to point number three. How can our words be more constructive? How can they be a gift to the people that hear them? I'd like to offer you three things uh, that we can do, three tips for how to engage in this more deeply. First of all, it's to pay attention. Pay attention. What I've noticed about people who are really good at bringing encouragement into the lives of other people is that they pay attention to the details of what's going on and they pay attention to their life circumstances. See, good encouragement comes when we step out of our own heads and out of our own lives for just a moment to notice what is going on in the lives of the people around us, our friends, our family members, those that we care about. We notice things that are going on. We can call out good things and name them and just say, hey, good job there. We can notice when they're going through distress or feeling down or downcast. When we pay attention, that's where encouragement begins. We can speak directly into their life circumstances. And one way we can improve the way that we pay attention is by learning to ask better questions. So I learned this over the years of being a dad. So when my girls were younger, when they're going through early adolescence and they had a lot more mood swings and were going through ups and downs a lot, 
Uh, I noticed that I often ask the wrong question because asking something like, hey, are you okay? That usually results in a yes, no kind of an answer, usually like, yeah, fine, kind of a response. But asking a better question like, hey, kiddo, uh, what's, what's on your mind? Or what's troubling you? That can lead to much more detail and specificity about the circumstances of their lives, and it generates a deeper connection. Learning to ask those kinds of questions helps us to pay attention to the details that are going on in someone else's lives. And that can lead to better constructive relationships, better constructive words, and a deeper relationship. Another thing to look out for in paying attention is to learn to spot fear and anxiety. Those are things that often plague us, and all the more during this pandemic, during the winter freeze, and all the different things that we're going through right now. We live in a very discouraged age, a very discouraged time. And one of the things that's helpful for us to learn how to do is to spot when people are going through fears and anxieties and learn how to calm them down. Learn how to bring peace into that situation. Learn how to speak what really matters to them. To listen to what is really troubling them. Because fear and anxiety are often what disconnect us from God himself. Our second insight for today is to try refocusing the question. Try refocusing the question. If we want to learn to speak in a better way, we need to learn to refocus the questions that form the default mindset of the conversations that we are in. You know, a lot of the conversations that we are in today in the news and social media are focused really on two questions. What is going wrong? And who is to blame? What's going wrong? And who is to blame? Ad nauseum. That's the way the news cycle always works and keeps returning out story after story about what's wrong and who is to blame. Which is why so many people are angry all the time. Because if it's something good, there's nothing to report on. If there's no one to blame, the story can be passed to someone else. But if they can find something that's wrong and someone to blame then they have a story to tell. And one of the important things for us to do as followers of Jesus is to learn to refocus our conversations around better questions. Now, like I shared, I was on staff at West Houston Chinese Church and we were in a slump as a staff because what we did on a regular basis before our staff meetings is we dove right into our problems. Before prayer, before things started, we were already talking about what went wrong for the weekend and whose fault was it, why things kind of devolved. Uh, that was kind of our default. But after suggesting the change, a week later, we started a new practice as a staff team. We started off with some new questions. What did you notice God doing over the weekend? And what are you thankful for? As we started with those questions, at first it was kind of quiet. But over the course of time, we we had so much to, to say. Uh, we, had, we could go on and on and talk about the ways in which we saw God moving. And it wasn't because God wasn't moving before, but we just didn't have eyes to see it. You see, when we're focused on the wrong questions, we only see certain things. When we change the question, 
we change our focus, we bring new ways to operate. We can even change a climate that is really oppressive and kind of negative and discouraging into an atmosphere of light and hopefulness. Our third insight for today really falls back in our theme for this year, which is fall afresh. And the insight is this, we need to call upon the Holy Spirit for help. We need to call on God to guide our conversations. I used to meet pretty regularly with a spiritual director and my last spiritual director was a real gift to me because not only was he great at spiritual direction, he was a pastor for several decades. And so oftentimes I would like to sneak in questions about pastoral ministry into our spiritual direction times. Even though that wasn't really the focus, I really enjoyed his insight because he had a lot of good things to say. And one of the things that he said, uh, one of the ways in which he approached his ministry that really helped me to see things differently was he always asked this question of God before he met with people. God, what is the most loving thing that I can do in this relationship? What is the most loving thing I can do in this relationship? Now, I had always asked God for guidance in all of my conversations, but I really appreciated this focus on love because at the center of our faith, we love God and we love our neighbors. We need to prioritize love. In fact, Paul says, without love, we are nothing. And my spiritual director had a great way of emphasizing this. And I encourage you to do the same. As you think about the words that you use, it can be a little bit daunting, especially if you're thinking about using only the right words to bless people and avoiding bad words. Uh, that can that can lead to anxiety and fear of doing the wrong thing. But this prayer and asking God for direction is really all about focusing on the power of the Holy Spirit to give you the right words to say, to be in the relationship in the right way so that God can do His thing. The final thing that we're going to do together today is take of the Lord's Supper. We're going to take the elements of communion. So if, if you can't get out the bread and the cup that you prepared in advance, we're going to celebrate these things as we go from this message. You know, as we come to these elements, I'm mindful that there may be some of you in our community who are under a heavy load and a burden. There are burdens that you carry for other people. There are burdens that you wear because of the different life circumstances that you're going through. And right now, it might feel really heavy. And I want you to know that in Christ, and most especially in these elements, we're given the reassurance that God is always with us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, at the Lord's table, we are reminded of God's love for us. At the Lord's table, we are reminded of what God has done for us. Not what we can do on our own, but how God has acted to save us. At the Lord's Supper, we remember that God, in His great compassion for us, has brought about forgiveness of sins, renewal of life, and He is working out greater things for our lives.
So as you take of these elements, I invite you first of all to enter into a time of prayer. And then together we'll read from the scriptures and remember this great love that is expressed to us through the bread and the cup of God's covenant faithfulness to us. Let's pray. Amen. And now let's read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take out the bread and remember the goodness of God. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take it the cup. Friends, I hope you feel the encouragement of God today. And through the bread and the cup, I hope you feel refreshed in your souls knowing that God is with you. And as you go, be sure to pay attention to some of the questions that we leave with you for our discussion. To take assessment of how your words are impacting those around you and how we might ask God to sharpen our words so that we can be a blessing to others. All right, see you next time. Loving God through all our years. Let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen.